Good evening, everyone. It is another special edition episode of Scarves and Spikes. I am Tyler Pilgrim, joined here by Sydney uh, Hunt at mm-hmm. SH Rights for him at ATL Pilgrim for me, as usual. Sydney, how you doing, buddy? Good. I got some. Um, as you can see, I got some new digs here behind me. Um, as you all know, I was moving over the weekend and. I kind of threw my schedule a little bit out of whack, but I am settled in. I am officially a resident of Cobb County, Georgia. So, yeah. All right. So, quick, quick thing. Turn the camera. Give us the give us the whole view. Yes, and people <laughs> on the podcast on the will not see it, which is a very good reason to watch this yes. via live stream. If you are listening to the podcast only, but yeah, this is the view. I like it. And yeah, it's a nice it's place. Pretty. Near Truist Park, about ten minutes from the training ground. So, oh, so you're right now. You're in the heartland. Right in the heartland of Cobb County, my friend. <laughs> but yeah, cool. um, I am here. Like I said, settled in, and yeah, good to be here. Cool. I like the background. So we got a we got a pretty full episode today, guys. Mm-hmm. We are going to have Jake Ziven of the Apple TV slash MLS deal coming on. He is the partner. Uh, broadcaster alongside Taylor Twelman. Can be coming on and chat with us about Nashville. We have a game that we've got to discuss. Do we have unfortunately. to? Unfortunately. <laughs> it's best not to, but we're going to anyway. We gotta. We gotta. So yeah, we have to. We'll we'll dive into that here in a minute. And besides that, the quick plugs, guys. Um we have a really, really exciting Patreon episode coming up as well. We have some other guests that are getting ready to come on uh, our live show as well. But we do have a really cool Patreon episode coming up soon. And that's going to be recorded next week. Um, and then it will go on Patreon, which is our Patreon is patreon.com slash scarves and spikes. If you are watching live, it is at the top of the screen. If you are watching live as well and you can see the chat, it is over in the chat. And if you're not and you're listening after the fact on the Atlanta Soccer Podcast Network, then you can just rewind whatever I'm saying and go type it in on Google. So we, we we at least gotta tell them who it is, though, right? Oh, I'm gonna tell them who it is. It is just say not, not say who it is, but go ahead. Let's it it is gonna be Tony Anon, former mm-hmm. Atlanta United uh, head of the academy, and now South Carolina men's soccer coach. So he is kind of the one that got the Atlanta United Academy really off and running, and pushed it in the direction that it is still going today. And it's going strong, and and Tony deserves a lot of credit for everything he did yep. while he was at Atlanta United, and still has a great relationship with the the club. So really, really excited to have him, have him come on. Yeah, South Carolina itself, you know, very well known program. Uh, Mark Burson was the first ever head coach of the program, and players like Brad Guzan went to South Carolina. Josh Wolf, I believe, Clint Mathis. So a lot of well known players have gone to South Carolina and played miss soccer there and again mark burson essentially started the program but now after his retirement tony anon has taken over i believe it's a second season or not to go to the second season or third season i forget which as a head coach of south carolina miss soccer so really excited to talk to him and let him know all right find out from him how things are going in columbia um talk about the academy his time with the academy with atlanta united and all of that. So really looking forward to that. Again, that's going to be only for patrons. So patreon.com slash scarves and spikes. As Tyler said, it's in the chat if you're watching on the live stream. If you're listening to the podcast, just type it in. Uh, subscriptions start at $5 a month, $10 if 
if you really feel like Tony need that much. But yeah, I guess you asked us to the episode with Tony and just a lot of other great stuff that we have for you in store right now and other stuff that we're working on in the future. So yeah, patreon.com slash scarves and spikes. As always, the live stream remains free. The player radio show remains free. But episodes like this with Tony uh, are only for patrons. So yeah, patreon.com slash scarves and spikes. And yeah, with that, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, no, and I was just saying, and, we, and we've got, we're, we're trying to line up guests as often as possible for you guys. We know you love the guests. We know you love hearing from, from other folks as well. And uh, in, in the future, the near future, we are going to, to start having some uh, fairly consistent, I think you can say, uh, guests that are, that are related to the Apple deal, the MLS deal, in some way, shape, or form. So uh, look, just look forward to that. That's going to be all on our show. It'll be weekly as much as we can, we can make it happen. So, uh, but yeah, we, we're excited. We're trying to bring you guys as much content as possible, whether it's here uh, on the YouTube slash Twitch slash Twitter and over on Patreon. So super excited for it. We appreciate yes. you guys supporting us. So, All right. I think we've put it off long enough, Tyler. We got to talk about I know. Wesley Knight. Yeah, just let's pull the tooth. All right. So yeah, I already <laughs> see the comments. Bruno jumping in. Do we really need to talk about this game? Can't we talk about, I don't know, yes, Taylor Swift and Janet Jackson concerts happening the same day? Yeah. Public service announcement. Don't drive in Atlanta anytime between like now and Sunday. Don't go downtown this yeah. weekend. Just stay away from downtown this weekend. Yeah. Altogether. Just That's Don't do it. There are people camping outside Mercedes-Benz Stadium already for this Taylor Swift concert. Like, you have a ticket already. Why are you camping? I mean, it's not going to change where you sit. But anyway, yeah. that's another it, it be show. what it be. So, it be. all right, Fifth Third Bank Stadium last night was the home of a tragedy. And it is the first time Atlanta United has ever lost in Kennesaw in their existence. It is the yeah. second time they've ever lost to a lower division team. It is the earliest they've ever been knocked out of the Open Cup. I don't know what else to say other than it sucked. It sucked. <laughs> the, the the whole game was frustrating. You had outside of the Tyler Wolf goal. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, you know, you, you, you nick a goal three minutes in. Luis Arujo had a great ball. I remember we were there, right there in the in the press box. Yep. And when that ball left his foot, I, it just you knew it. You knew it was dead on. Tyler Wolf brought it down well. He slotted it past Bill Hamid. And you think, all right, well, we're off to a good start. But it was like a switch flipped, and that was it. There was nothing, nothing to show that was really a bright spot in any way except for, and yeah, Bruno in the chat, and I know it's been all over Twitter, Clemon Diop was outstanding. Oh, gosh. Still in his head all night. Just yep. I was talking to um... – Henry Higuita Jr., who was in the press box with us as well, and he made a good point. I mean, without Clement Diop, I mean, this match was probably like 3-1 or something like that. Uh, if not more. Just kept, if not more. I mean, you, you, you just can't play like that against a, a, a opponent you should be. It, it all respect Stephen Glass and Memphis 901. Uh, they just wanted more. They had nothing to lose whatsoever. They go into... In the way environment, an environment that Glassy obviously is very familiar with, and they come away with the biggest win in their short history against a side that they should have lost to. Let's be honest. Um, and 
you could talk about rotation. You could talk about whether certain players should have started in that. You could talk about all of that. You could talk about maybe Pineda being out coached. Uh, long story short, Atlanta United should have won this match. And again, no disrespect to Memphis 9-1, but you can't. And, and this is Tyler. We've seen this with this team in the past few matches in MLS play. They score score early and they just fall asleep. We saw that against New York or not New York City. Um, we saw this against Chicago on Sunday. Scored their first goal. Yakimaka scores, and they just don't assert themselves. They don't get that second goal. Chicago levels it. Of course, Atlanta win, but what if they didn't? You know, um, Toronto. Early leads, you take leads against Toronto both times, you draw. Um, New York City, down to 10 men, you score, but then you can see it immediately after. Just matches like that, this this is a team that should be at top of the supporter shield race at this point, if not at top of the East, but they just shut off and they just shut down whenever they get a lead. And it's just very troubling. And last night, Wednesday night, it just bites them, you know where. And they end up losing the match. So this is something that, like I said, has been the pattern for this club. And we'll talk about Nashville later, obviously. But you can't play this way against Nashville and expect to win. Just really an inexcusable, inexcusable performance for Atlanta United against a second division opponent. Yeah, it was it was lazy. Um, you know, you, you had very minimal bright spots in this match. For Atlanta, I think you you actually struggle a little bit to really pick out like individual. Again, we talked about Clement Diop, but you struggle to pick out individual performances. I will say this: the eye test maybe not uh, withstanding here, but one player that actually I think did do well and probably isn't getting as much credit as he should was Franco Ibarra. And the reason I say that is because. When you have Franco Ibarra out working very well, uh, he's got a more competent and awake midfield pairing. And I think Franco Ibarra actually, I mean, he had he had 10 tackles last night. He was actually all over the field. It just didn't seem like it because nobody would win the second ball that he would he would initially win. He would come in for the mm-hmm. tackle and win the ball, you know, and he was doing it. That's what his job is but there's nobody around him to win that second ball and move the ball up the field. Uh, and, and credit, because I see it in the chat too, credit to Memphis's midfield. Memphis's midfield was outstanding mm-hmm. last night. They, they were very solid in the middle. And then you had wingers that just have, have speed. You know what I mean? You talked about it last night. They're, they're quick and they just, they ran all over Atlanta and they pressured them. I mean, you, you look at a team that had 12 corners last night, Against no. an MLS side, thirty shots. Thirty shots on goal. What eight on target or something like that? Or thirty shots. I think it was ten on goal. Ten on target. Good yep. grief! I Just mean, wild. That that can't happen. No. Against Memphis nine hundred one. Against Natural SC. Against the Chicago Fire. Whoever. No it who can't it happen. Yeah. It exactly. Happen. It's just just so disappointing for Atlanta United to turn in that performance, especially after. That goal by Tyler Wolf. It congrats to Tyler on his mm-hmm. first goal with the first team, but ends up not mattering. And now we're having to talk about a loss to, again, I don't want to say an inferior opponent because Memphis uh, 
we're on a really good run, I believe, coming into this match. Again, nothing to lose. Steven Glass, obviously very familiar with Atlanta. But still, the eye test says that if you're a first division side, hosting a second division side, especially with the players that you have on the pitch, you have to win. And Atlanta United did it. And again, we could talk about rotation and all of that. Um, but at the same time, the players you have on the field have to perform, and we didn't see that. So here we are talking about a loss to Memphis 9-1, a loss in the U.S. Open Cup, and now a chance to win another trophy is off the table, a chance to get to CONCACAF Champions League is off the table. Yeah, as early as as you got started, it's it's over. And and y'all have heard me say it before, but the Open Cup is the most direct route to a trophy. It's the most direct route to Champions League. You play the least amount of games to get the Champions League by winning the Open Cup. And you never want to go out against a lower division side by any means. And this is not taking anything away from Memphis because Memphis did very well. They're unbeaten now, in, or I think now in five. And Glassy's really getting them on board with what he's trying to do. But as far as Atlanta is concerned, because, you know, the quotes last night, and, and you guys can check my quotes article over on 30southsoccer.com, uh, but the quotes article and the quotes that were said last night, it was a lot of essentially we beat ourselves. We came out with a poor attitude and we allowed Memphis to essentially take over the game. And mm-hmm. Pineda talked about the battle that, that Atlanta didn't show and that Memphis did show. Uh, but here's here's my question. I think, Sydney, for you, you give me your two cents on it. And by all means, you guys in the chat, because I, I definitely want to hear – your take on this, but I also want to hear or read your side of this. Who is at fault here? Do you, cause I've seen a lot of Pineda was out coached and I've seen a lot of, you know, the players just didn't play. What do you feel is, was the issue in this one? Because I, I'll give you, I'll give you my quick take on it. This team actually came out in the, the proper formation, tactics, everything else to me yeah. was what it should have been. Yeah. The players did not come out and act like they gave a crap about this match yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. And I think, yes, there should have been some initial, like some, some changes midway through that, that were more than just like, like for like subs. I think you, cause you had a, you had a little bit of change. You swapped the wings you um, you maybe moved around the midfield a little bit, but there were no wholesale changes last night. And I think the big one that you know you brought up in the press conference last night and that Pineda kind of mentioned was uh, not playing Almada. And you hear the Almada chants, right. you know, the where's Almada, the, the, those chants were coming yeah. out. But do you put that on Pineda in terms of the team having to – rely on you know their their secret weapon in a match they a hundred percent should not have had to rely on that or do you put it on the players who just didn't want to come out and seem like they cared to play the players can't i mean gonzalo pineda can't put put the ball in the back of the net tyler gonzalo pineda can't connect passes gonzalo pineda can't challenge for duels gonzalo pineda can't step into these guys shoes and play the game for them this team has to perform. And we can say Pineda out, Pineda out, Pineda got it wrong, Pineda's tactics were wrong, 
as much as we want. A lot of this has to be on the players. Like, Pineda can only do so much. He can only say so much. He can only put out the players that he feels give Atlanta United the best chance to win. And yes, he had to make some decisions based on Saturday against, Saturday against Nashville and this match on Sunday against Chicago. And every coach in MLS has to deal with this. Not just Pineda, but every coach in MLS. And again, maybe we, there could have been some players that could have played last night that didn't. Uh, he has said about Almada. Um, yeah, he, he didn't want to risk it because, I mean, they weren't possessing the ball anyway. I mean, he would have been able to get service in the first place, which I kind of agree with. But, again, like you can, like I said, you can only say so much. You can only do so much. And I feel like fans are going to use last night's loss, Wednesday night's loss, to kind of push their narrative. It's disappointing. And Lady United didn't play well. Atlanta United didn't make the do the things they needed to do to win. They were outplayed by a side that they should have beaten rather easily, you know. But part of that could be on Pineda, yes. But not all of it is on Pineda. And those two points don't have to be mutually exclusive. And again, I feel like there's preconceived notions that Gonzalo Pineda should be fired. You look at where this team is right now in the standings. Yes, they've flown some leaves, but at the same time, you know, they're third place in the East. I mean, you can't argue that. That's a lot better than what they were last year. So I feel like, yes, you could make a case that Pineda may have gotten some things wrong on Wednesday, but at the same time, he can't score. He can't make passes. He can't win duels. He can't play the midfield. He can't make saves, so yeah, and and I think that's that's a lot of it because you know Pineda did come out last night and and rightfully as as the coach, the first thing that needs to come out of your mouth is I take responsibility, right? Yeah, because you do. At the end of the day, right. it is your responsibility to you know put the right players in the right positions and, and everything else, and I totally understand that. However. I also understand from a coaching perspective of a you got to rest guys and b this is the perfect opportunity for you to play guys who have shown they deserve time which is yeah. what he said last night he said you know I put in guys I see them training every week week in and week out and maybe they're not quite ready for league play but they've shown me that they're capable of coming out and deserving time and this is the match that I, I don't think there's anybody that would disagree with this being a match that you should have been able to play everybody that you played and come yeah. out with a solid win because right. you have talent there you really do like you said Pineda can't go out and receive the ball well off of a, a halfway decent pass Pineda can't go out there and, and pass the ball you know Pineda can't play midfield he can't do this and that he can make some tactical changes when it became very obvious that Atlanta was not holding up against Memphis a hundred percent. That's, I think that's definitely yeah, on, on Pineda, you know, but I agree. I think, you know, he, one of the quotes that he had last night was, cause I, I asked him, how do you keep the morale up? How do you keep the morale up of, especially the younger guys, the Johnny fortunes, 
the um, Tyler Wolfs, you know, these younger guys that are maybe just getting that that real first taste to an extent. I mean, I understand they played before, but he he came out and said, you know, I have to do my part as coaching them, but there are specific areas that they can improve in as well, and they have to take ownership of yeah. going out and playing a, a crap game because that's yeah. what they did. And again, it goes both ways. So I don't think it's I don't think it's fair to say you know Pineda out and all this other stuff. But I also don't think it's fair to just maybe take a huge dump on the players either. It, it, it's a hundred percent on everybody. This entire group of people. Um, maybe changes needed to be made. They were a little more wholesale with the the game itself. But also like maybe if y'all just made some passes and strung together like six passes up the field, you might not be stuck in your own half for like eighty percent of the match. So that's where it, I think I get frustrated because they have the talent to be able to run all over this field, but nobody could could string together even the simplest of passes. I felt like I was watching like a U12 team out there at times. It was, it was really frustrating. So the blame goes all around, but I know that that narrative has kind of been going around a lot, and everybody is, is at fault, ultimately. I, I was surprised that... Uh, we didn't see Parada earlier than we did um, last night, Wednesday night. Um, so I, I, I also say, too, I'm surprised that Cobb stayed in. I would have swapped Cobb for Parada. But then again, you know, for Brahma, the yellow card, I could be misremembering it. Uh, yeah, no, no. Abram came in. It. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, Cobb came off for Parada. And we were thinking uh, yeah, it was going to yeah. be Abram because he yeah, wore that yellow early. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like there could have been. Yes, I, I do agree. There probably should have been some substitutions at halftime to try to change the face of the match. And yeah, I kind of do fault Pineda for that. But at the same time, you know, Tyler, you're just saying, and I think both of us were just saying, the players that are on the field have to perform, have to step up. And Pineda can only do so much from a tactical standpoint, from a motivational standpoint. And a lot of that is on the players. Well, so. Let me ask you this because this is gonna this is gonna confuse me because I'm so used to saying T Riddle, Jimothy Riddle, saying in all caps by the way for everybody listening after the fact. It's on the coach if the player doesn't want to play. Is it? All right. So here's my my redirect with that. Last night you had Gonzalo Pineda bringing out a handful of guys who have not gotten any or a very minimal time. This season, last season, if at all, mm-hmm. and you're you're saying, you know, it's on the coach to motivate them. The fact that he's giving you the time, you've shown that you deserve the time in trading. Yeah. He's giving you the time to come out and play your game, and then you come out and you you lay one in the way that you did last night. The motivation is you're getting time. You're yeah. getting your chance to go prove yourself. I don't know what else you expect, you know, Pineda to do in that situation. I mean, you have to be able to bring that up from your, from your own innards somewhere at some point. That's got to be on you to take control of of what you're able to take control of in a match and, and push forward with it. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, and just real quick uh, before we get to Jake, uh, Matt saying I feel like missing Bregas is huge in these types of matches. He provides leadership on the pitch and seems to hold guys accountable for a lack of motivation. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And, you know, it's those intangibles that 
Guzan can provide. And of course, he didn't play. He was tweeting for the Atlanta United account. So yeah, I wonder um, what if what would be different if he were playing last night. But yeah, um, I don't know. I'm tired of talking about this. I know. I, I gotta. I gotta throw this because. Because also saying, you know, he shouldn't be waiting until 60 minutes to sub out a player that doesn't want to yeah. play. We should have yeah. detro- destroyed Memphis. I understand that 100. percent I think that's it's a tough situation, and yeah. you, you're talking about man management. You're talking about Nashville here in a couple of days. I mean, you, you had you had three matches in six days. So you had yeah. Chicago Sunday. You had Open Cup last night, and now you've got Nashville, which you're traveling to. Yep. on Saturday. So I think at the end of the day, it's easy to get stuck on. Well, you, you had the, the personnel out there that should have been able to handle that match with no issues. And if they couldn't, you almost don't deserve to win. Yeah. So it is what it is. It's all said and done. It's all wrapped up. So it's over. It's time to look Every forward year. to Nashville. And yes. with that, this is the perfect time to bring in our, Good friend and announcer, hey Jake Zivin. What's up? Hey, have, you, Jake. have you talked it all out, the loss last night? Have you got yeah, it all out? Therapy. therapy. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt like that the first 25 yeah. minutes, didn't it? Yeah. It was rough. It was Man. rough. Uh, it's open cup. Atlanta will be okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. Hopefully. We hope so. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a tough one to swallow, I think. I think that's where a lot of the, the fan base is, is struggling. But at the end of the day, that's what the Open Cup is all about, right? You're right. going to have games like that, and that's why it's so much fun to watch. It's just maybe a little less fun when it's your team. Of course. Yeah, look, they happen. When, when a team rotates, we, we talked to Gonzalo Pineda today as a, for our broadcast meeting ahead of this game, and what he said is, look, I rotated 10 guys. Uh, we're playing a team that plays together, right, that is used to playing together. That's their first team. Uh, he, as, as you guys mentioned, he kind of put some self-reflection of the blame on himself, saying, like, did I rotate too many? But – Look, I think at this stage of the Open Cup, that's what you do when you're an MLS team playing a midweek game against uh, a USL championship team. You rotate, you give guys a chance to to play, and and you hope you get a win. And obviously, it didn't happen for Atlanta, which is the the beauty of the cup, as you said, right? It may be yeah, better yeah. for everybody else, uh, tough for Atlanta, but it's to me, I don't see it as a result that's going to have much of an effect going forward in, in MLS for Atlanta. Yeah, well. You know, and that's the thing. It, it, it'd be what it be, right? Like, that's just how you right. got to look at it. So exactly. exactly. Um, Jake, this, we appreciate you coming on. This is obviously yeah. first time coming on. So yeah. just, you know, I'm, I'm sure most everybody knows you and, and, you know, we have this new great broadcasting crew on, on Apple TV. But if you can just kind of let everybody know who you are, what you do, where you came from, all that good stuff. Yeah, but great to be on. Great to see you guys. Great to great to chat. Um, so I'm now paired with with Taylor Twelman on MLS Season Pass on Apple TV. Taylor and I will be calling the game from Nashville, uh, which has been great. We, we called the Atlanta Charlotte game earlier, so this will be our second time seeing Atlanta United. Uh, for the past eight seasons, I was the local television voice of the Portland Timbers. I was the Kevin Egan of, of the Portland Timbers, uh, as it is. And um, throughout that time, got you know a good amount of of, uh, of games with ESPN and with Fox as well over the past five years. And and now here we are. So uh, born and raised in Evanston, Illinois, right outside of Chicago. Been in Portland and Oregon now for over a decade. And uh, crisscrossing the country on a weekly basis right now to, to wherever game we're at. It's been a blast. It's been a thrill for two months and excited to continue to go excited to get to Atlanta, which we certainly will this year and get, get to Mercedes Benz. I've been, I've been once before 
Uh, it was a wonderful day for all of you. Uh, 2018 MLS Cup. <laughs> yeah. I called the game on, on the on the radio for the Timbers. Man, I was blown like blown away, right? And I I, I try to approach my job even when calling Timbers games from a relatively neutral perspective. Um, so obviously, you know, you're rooting for fun moments and all that. Um, but but for me, my main takeaway was what what an atmosphere, what a stadium, what an event that was. It felt as big as any sports event that I'd ever been to and covered, um, which, you know, includes multiple college football national championship games, right? It felt like that in, in a really good way. And great night, great night for you guys, uh, yeah. for Atlanta and, and um, a special day. So I'm excited to get back, though, to, to the Benz because it's been five years. Yeah, you're actually our uh, second uh, Timbers-related guest we've ever had. Um, we had Ryan okay. Clark on from the Oregonian a few weeks yeah. ago. I'm sure you know sure. him very well. But, um, yep. yeah, he has... Similar things to say about Mercedes Benz. He wasn't there for a match, but he was, I believe, for the Georgia game against. I forget sure, who, I guess the, probably by. the Ducks, right? Yeah, the Ducks. Exactly. And they smashed the Ducks, didn't they? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Dan Lanning's first um, yes. head coaching game was against Georgia, and that's I bet right. He was wishing he was back at Georgia after that game. So. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> he did all right, though. I, so my. Uh, my time before here, before I was with the Timbers, I was in Eugene, Oregon as a sports mm-hmm. anchor for the local news station there during the glory years, the Chip Kelly years, yeah. covered no longer your boy, Marcus Mariota, when he was in college, right. uh, but a, a big fan of Marcus. And I, man, I was, I was hoping that, that he would have had a better season last year in Atlanta, yeah. but alas. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, how's it been going? I mean, you mentioned you've been yeah. at it for a couple of months. You're doing the Timbers games up there in the Pacific Northwest. But how have things been going with MLS season pass, um, working with Taylor, who obviously <laughs> is a big name in the media world, um, has a <laughs> very... So he, he doesn't need to hear that. You don't, you don't hear, <laughs> he doesn't need to hear that anymore. Don't worry. No, but uh, you know, obviously uh, he has a long broadcasting career, very successful yeah. career as a player. Yes. So, yes, how's that been working with him? And, again, how's the MLS season pass been as a whole? It's been great. It's, it's a dream for me. I grew up in, in Evanston as a diehard Chicago Fire fan. Um, I'm you know, of, of the age that grew up with this league. I was a kid when the league started, a kid when the Fire came into the league in 98. Um, for me, they were on the same level as the Bears and the Cubs and the Bulls as I was growing up, a soccer player and a soccer fan. Um, and that, that kind of love extended to the league as a whole as I got older. I interned for Major League Soccer when I was in college. I worked as the bug op, the clock and score operator for the MLS game of the week in, in 2005 and 2006 in the production truck for an ESPN two. When I was, uh, I'll date myself when I was 20 and 21, when I was in college. Um, <laughs> so like that experience brought me to, I think really being more focused on not just the fire, but the health of major league soccer and loving this league and wanting it to grow. Um, and I've, I've kept that. I always, always kept that and felt that, even through kind of a seven or eight year break going into local news as a sports anchor mm-hmm. reporter, which was kind of the way to get an entry level job as a sports broadcaster back then. Um, you know, this sort of stuff didn't exist back then. So you couldn't really carve out your own thing about soccer in, in the late 2000, mid to late 2000s. Um, so I, I always kept that, that love of MLS, always wanted to get back into it. Uh, worked out to, to be able to do so with the Timbers for the past eight years. And then when this came around, yeah, for me, it's just a dream to go to a different game every week. And um, we've been been fortunate to be at kind of one of the marquee matchups of the week every week. Right. And, and to work with Taylor, who, you know, I, um, you know, I joked about about, you know, 
uh, kind of feeding his ego, but he it, like he's he's been the face of ESPN soccer for a reason for the past yeah. decade, right? He's first of all, uh, he's a great guy. I've loved being with him, but from from a working standpoint, like he's really really good at this. And so mm-hmm. for me, um, even in two months, it's it's been eye opening to see how he kind of goes about it, um, how he approaches television, and how he is on television, which is a skill uh, and he's very good at. So that that's been great. Um, I've had more red vines being uh, next to Taylor than, than I have uh, in years past. He loves his red vines. And uh, I think he's going to take some time off uh, from being a professional golfer to come work with us in Nashville. Cause I feel <laughs> like he's been, playing, he's been playing in more golf tournaments the past couple of weeks than, yeah, uh, than he's, a, soccer he's games. <laughs> alive and well on Twitter with the, with the, yes, golf he is. Sure. yes, he is. Yeah. yeah. We, we needed him last night doing his, uh, what are we doing? rant yeah again. yeah yeah <laughs> that's that's a hey, that that gif gif or jif whichever yeah, one you want to call yeah. it that'll that'll live forever and uh atlanta supporters go ahead and use it yeah. right yeah. all day so um now that you've kind of gotten involved uh y'all i think everybody's kind of settling in all of the apple tv mls announcers yeah. but you mentioned because you've been around it for so long you kind of took a break but what has kind of surprised you so far about the league really in the, I guess maybe the past couple of years, but especially since you really took over doing the, the national broadcast and everything. Yeah. I mean, I think the progression of the league um, has been remarkable and it's, it's been quicker than I would have expected. Again, I go back to, to growing up in Chicago, going to games at, at the original soldier field before it was renovated. And then to Naperville to a, you know, a D three high school or D three college football stadium in Naperville to watch them play. Then back to the renovated uh, soldier field and then to Bridgeview and, and even when I was working on, on those ESPN games when I was in college and we were going to places like Spartan Stadium in San Jose and Robertson Stadium in Houston and Rice Eccles, when, when RSL came into the league um, and RFK right in DC, um, I, I wouldn't have expected that as quickly as it did, the league would grow up and mature in such a significant way. I think it started when Toronto came into the league um, and certainly accelerated when Seattle and Portland came into the league and, and showing what a downtown stadium can do and uh, a team that can be really relevant in their cities. Um, I think those three teams, Toronto, Seattle, and Portland were the first to kind of be that way. And then Atlanta comes in 2015 and I think sets the bar of how early success can be had for an expansion team, both on and off the field, off the field's easier, right? Seattle, Portland, again, Toronto, they had that off the field to start, but on the field, sorry, 2000. Uh, yeah. When Atlanta came in, I said 2015, didn't I? They're not Orlando. Well, or 17, yeah. <laughs> 2017. Uh, so when they came in 2017, um, you know, they, they set that bar for what a team can do on the field as well. Obviously it's well-documented the, the fan support in Mercedes Benz um, and Bobby Dodd before that was, was probably even higher than anybody expected, even in Atlanta. But to me, the bar was set with, with on the field success, winning MLS cup in year two and, and LAFC, you know, kind of, built off that right the um the following year when they came in so to me like that growth as quick as it as it was was surprising i wouldn't have thought and i've said this a lot when when talking about the context of my my job with the timbers for the past eight years i wouldn't have thought back in 2005 and 6 when i was going to rice eccles and rfk that a place like providence park uh could exist in 2011 when they came into the league right i thought that would be 20 30 years down the road i'd say the same thing about atlanta united like I think we always envisioned, okay, MLS can get to be maybe never where the NFL will be. I mean, that's a super high bar, but can be filling up these big stadiums with 
40, 50,000 people. Um, and to think that Atlanta was able to do that in 2017 was for me quite remarkable. I would have thought you're talking 2040, right? Maybe for, for MLS teams to be able to do that. So yeah, it's uh, it's remarkable. The league keeps getting better. Obviously the quality on, on the field is better. The, the incoming and, and uh, outgoing transfers um, are, you know, uh, show that right. And, and Atlanta has been, probably the leader when, when it comes to, you know, Al Marone, I think changed how everybody in the league views um, what the league can be bringing a, a young player in and then selling them for um, a lot of money and ha- having success with that player when they're here, selling them for a ton of money. And hopefully that player continuing to have success, which just shows better on the league. So it's been remarkable, I think, you know, um, and I'm happy to be along for the ride, but it, it all happened. I think quicker than, than I would have, told you it would have happened 15 years ago yeah and that you know from the southern standpoint obviously atlanta but now charlotte now nashville i mean yeah. it just has it's wild really right in, in sec it. country for mls yeah, to be as successful yeah. as it is is wild yeah yeah pretty incredible and i'm kind of like yeah, i would have imagined it myself um i know there's some national writers who would have imagined it either but now here we are and um yeah, pretty incredible, and um, I was hope only up from here. Uh, so, kind of talking about, so kind of talking about Nashville, and no, you and Taylor were there, I believe, uh, the other day. We were. LAFC. <laughs> um, yeah. But just from a um, standpoint of where they are, kind of lining up with Atlanta off the field from a contract standpoint. Obviously, Walker Zimmerman, who is probably one of the top center backs in the league, along there with Miles Robinson. Uh, obviously on a DP contract, obviously locked in with them for the next several years as he's kind of established himself again as one of the best at his position. Then you have Miles Robinson, who is another best 11 center back who is out of contract after this season. I guess what are your thoughts about players like center backs getting designated player contracts? And should Atlanta do the same for Miles Robinson to keep them in the fold? I have to be I have to be careful how I answer this question because one sure. of my close friends and former broadcast partner with the Timbers is Liam Ridgewell, who famously yeah. was a designated player center back who led the Timbers to the 2015 MLS Cup. Though uh, I, no, I I think it depends on the club, right? If you're Atlanta, um, you know there's expectations for what how you're going to use your three designated player slots, right. and those expectations are on players like Tiago Almada and Miguel Almiron and Joseph Martinez, players mm-hmm. in the attack that are going to have that kind of impact, but that's not necessarily the right way for every team to build a roster. And I think that's what makes MLS interesting is there's different ways to build a roster and different ways to have success. I'm sure Nashville feels that Walker Zimmerman is worth it. And then some for the stability that he's brought, um, the ability that he's brought, but he is such an important part of that back line that has been so good statistically since they entered the league, just behind Philadelphia uh, as far as goals allowed and, and all of that, which for a team, we're, we're only talking four years, right? They were an expansion team and they were so good defensively. They're the best in the league right now uh, entering this game as far as goals allowed so far, the fewest in the league, just five this year. So for me, for what Nashville is and how they've built their roster and what they want to be, it's absolutely worth it. For Atlanta, does it make sense? That's that's a question for, for Garth ultimately, right? Um, and it's a I think it's a more difficult one because – you don't want to lose Miles Robinson, right? If if you can't, and if he wants to stay, I mean, there's all right. Like if he wants to go to Europe, and that's on the table, that that's a totally different story. And mm-hmm. I think 
you you support the player at, at like him at the stage of his career to do that for sure. Um, but if you're talking just specifically from an Atlanta perspective, yeah, you don't want to lose him. But then again, if you're Atlanta United, how do you use your your designated player slots? I think you probably are going to always use all three of them in the attack, right? And you want to get a lot out of those guys, a lot, a lot, right? Uh, there's high expectations. Yeah, and uh, just real quick, I mean, you mentioned there's so many ways to build a roster in MLS. Um, I remember Jim Curtin was saying a few weeks ago, um, leading up to Philly, LAFC, and the Champions League, you know, here's Philly, kind of this blue-collar built through the academy, and then here's LAFC, you have Vela, you have Blanga, you have you had Bale last year. So, yeah, absolutely right. Several several ways to build a roster. There's not, I find there's not one right way to do it, uh, but that's, I guess that's the beauty of MLS, isn't it? I think so. I think that's why the league is so interesting. Look, like yeah. I, I'm, I'm very. I've always been one um, whose interests, sporting interests, have to do with places I have a connection to. So growing up in Chicago, as I said, it was the fire, it was the Bears, it was the Cubs, it was the Bulls. The Cubs were terrible, but I wasn't going to be a Yankees fan or a Braves fan, right? Just because <laughs> in the 90s, the Cubs were bad and and the Braves were amazing. Stole Greg Maddox from me. I was devastated as a kid, right? Like, like so, but I was a Cubs fan, right? Didn't matter if they were good or bad, didn't matter. Um, for me, I've, I've always viewed soccer that same way. The fire, when I was 12 and they came into the league that was my team and the u.s national team was my team and mls is my league um and so for me i love mls part of it is is that it's interesting i enjoy the the parody and if it's manufactured then it is i don't i don't mind it can they can the league open up spending a little bit absolutely right to to make it i think that's important i think it's going to happen to grow and and to continue to raise the level of play on the field but i do hope there is always uh, that ability for teams to build rosters differently because look in the European leagues, there's not really right. It's just spend the most money and you will win Mm -hmm. like that in, in, in the big leagues in Europe, that's it. And it, it's great. The quality of play is the best in the world in the Premier league. Right. But ultimately Manchester city spends the most money, Manchester city, especially after yesterday are going to win the league. (laughs) Right. And so like, I, I, Something to say about that. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, you gotta, yeah, no, no, no. You've got to get it right for sure. Yeah, but absolutely. but Leicester and Leicester was the one in a literally one in whatever forty year, thirty year exception, yeah. and that was great, and it was an amazing year. But that's not normal. That isn't going to happen frequently. It's going to be one of the teams that spends the most money. You know, obviously, absolutely. you can spend money wrong, as as you see it, and that's the case in any sport. But it's going to be one of the teams that spends the most money. Um, and I, I hope that MLS, as it continues to open up and spend more money, which it needs to do, I hope that it still finds a way to not lose that ability to build teams in different ways and still be contenders, which to me makes, makes the league very interesting. Yeah. And, and I think, like you said, it, it, whether you want to call it manufactured parity or not, it is what it is. It keeps things yeah. interesting no matter what, right? You're yeah. typically going to have at any given time, at least one player on the field who's going to be able to make a big, big difference. And that's just the way it is. And looking forward to Saturday, you've got Hany Mukhtar, you've got Tiago Almada, possibly yep. Jorge Zalkamakis for Atlanta, but then you have Walker Zimmerman. So there's, there's lots of factors. But in terms of Mukhtar and Almada, how does, in, in, the, in I guess your preparation, everything that you've seen, how do each team prepare for each of those players? 
It's, yeah, it's interesting. We we talked to both teams today about the other player and both, you know, of course, uh, the managers uh, and, and the players are, are going to be effusive about the counterparts. Uh, Mukhtar is an interesting one. He, you know, is not necessarily like a traditional number 10, like, like Tiago is, is closer to. Um, they, they've been playing him as a second striker. I assume it'll be with, with Teal Bumbery because they just traded CJ Sapong. Um, he thrives in those areas around the box. He thrives in moments. He's a player who steps up when, when the team needs him and, and guys like that. Uh, I, I was around Diego Valeri for years in Portland and they're different players, but they remind me in that way of Valeri wouldn't necessarily boss games like you'd expect kind of an Argentinian number 10 to do, but he took a big moment better than anybody in the league for his six to eight years. Like he would finish the opportunities when his team needed to, he would score wonderful goals and he was just kind of always there. Mukhtar is that, that same way. Um, Almada is kind of the, the number 10, right? And, and uh, we talked to Pineda about him before the Charlotte game. So this is now six, seven weeks ago. And what he, what he told us was he wants Tiago to be, even at his young age, like a Lucas Elorayan, like a Nicholas Ladero, a player who wants to always be on the ball and be dominating a game. And just like have that desire. It's all going through me. I'm the man. Um, and he like that. Yes, it seems like, okay, yeah, you're the only current winner of an MLS or of a World Cup in MLS ever. Like it should be easy for you to have that attitude, but not when you're a young player, right? It, it's still, so he was trying to empower him to do that. We followed up with Gonzalo about it today. He thought that he, he was doing that and then went away for the international break, ill injury. So it's been kind of disjointed since then you know, wants him to get, to get back to that. Um, but so, so they're different players, right. For Nashville. Um, I think, but, but both, you know, for Nashville with Almada and with Atlanta, with Mukhtar, you just gotta be aware where they are at all times. I think Nashville probably learned about giving the best player on the field too much time and too much space in the midfield last week against LAFC when they let Bawanga just right after Zimmerman came out of the game. So maybe they're a little disorganized. Let Bawanga just carry the ball 40 yards straight up the middle and just bang it from 25 yards out. Like, you can't let a player like that, the best player on the field, have that kind of time and space. It's going to be the same thing with Almada. And Almada and Buanga are very different players. But if Almada is able to run free like that throughout the midfield, uh, you know, Nashville's going to be in trouble. So I'm, I'm sure they, they learn from that. Yeah. So a team like Nashville who have kind of established himself as a consistent playoff contender but haven't really gotten over the hump in the postseason, what – which kind of needs to flip for them to finally get over that hump. Like we, we talked about handing yeah. the and it seems like outside of him, Nashville don't really get a lot of scoring. So no. I guess yeah, they don't. you're my, what kind of needs to happen to, for them to take that next step, I guess. Yeah. That's the thing. What Mukhtar had 23 goals last year, golden boot, next highest score on the team. CJ Sapong, Teal Bumber each had five. Like that's mm-hmm. a huge gap. Uh, Gary Smith was, was open talking to us the past couple of weeks that they need more out of their number nine position. The CJ Sapong trade was interesting because they had Sapong and they had Bumbury, and those were really their options at the nine. Um, and they trade Sapong for, for Lucas McNaughton. They clearly felt, and we talked to Gary about this today, that their center back depth issues were more important right now. They needed to get another center back in. They signed Nick DePew or traded for Nick DePew with the Galaxy over the offseason. He showed up injured. Uh, had to have Achilles surgery on one Achilles. He's having another, uh, the, his other Achilles done like in the next couple of weeks. Gary Smith, he, he would only leave it at this, but he 
confirm that they were not aware of those injuries when they traded for him. You can take, you know, you can go off that what you think, but he's clearly not happy about that situation. So they were planning on Nick DePew. They traded Dave Romney because they were planning on Nick DePew being there. And um, maybe that's not necessarily like for like, but they wanted the gam, right, that came from trading Romney and then having DePew there. So now they have Jack Mayer, um, who's who's a, a young player who's been starting with Walker Zimmerman. Um, they just gave the, uh, an MLS debut to Josh Bauer, who's a former Atlanta United two guy last week when Zimmerman came out. So there's depth issues there. So they bring in McNaughton from Toronto. Um, instead of Sapong, I'm going with that is, so now he's Bumberry's like the Bumber and Ethan Zubak are kind of the number nines on the roster. Um, do they try to go with maybe a false nine or a different type of, of a nine? If, if when Randall Leal comes back, do they just kind of go with, a more fluid front three or front four with a Pico and a Schaffelberg and a Leal and a Mukhtar and no traditional kind of bigger hold-up nine, which they haven't done before. I don't know, but um, they need to figure that out. I think Gary Smith has been open about it. And to answer your original question, Sydney, I think it's a number nine. Like that's how they take the next step is a 15 to 20 goals year, you know, goals a year goal score. Um, Ake Loba did not work out. And, mm-hmm. and yeah. that – when you're a team like Nashville and you construct your roster in that way, and it's it's any team in the league. If you if you miss on a, your big signing in this league, it's going to be difficult um, yeah. to right. And they they missed on Ake Loba. I think it's fair to say at this point, at least they will think so. They sent, didn't play him much. They never started him, and then they sent him on loan. Um, yeah. So yeah, if if they can find a nine, maybe it's the summer, maybe it's the off season that can give them 15 goals a year. Then I think they could they could take that next step. Yeah, and and that's what. And, it's so, and that's like not it. to say that they can't have success and they can't make a playoff run. And I think, like you said, they're going to be a consistent contender. And when you're hard to score on, especially in the playoffs, you can go far. But to be like a supporter shield contender, I think it, it's a nine. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and you, and you never know what can happen, right? Like like you said, we always hear the 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 old proverb. Defenses win championships, right? Well, yeah. maybe not not as much in soccer, but to a, yeah. to a degree. I mean, you keep a clean sheet and you can't be beaten. So, sure. you know, it, I agree it, with you, though. I mean, you look at look at who you know who's won MLS Cup. Uh, last year was LAFC Philly. Those two teams. I know Philly's known for their defense, but last year they scored a ton of goals, yeah. right? Yeah. So they I know they don't have the the names that an LAFC or an Atlanta do in the attack, but they're they're attacking as a team is wonderful. New York City the year before that, Columbus, right? I mean, these Seattle, you guys, Atlanta, right? Seattle, Toronto, Portland. I mean, these are all these teams are all good all around, but it's not the kind of Greece winning the Euros. You know what I'm saying? Right. right? It's it's teams that that have attacking talent and attacking firepower. So all right. We we've kept you for a while. We want to be <laughs> considerate of your time. We know you're busy getting ready for the game and everything. Final yeah, question. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because Nashville is close, we can, I guess you can consider this a derby if you want to. An, what do you guys think? I'm curious. I've been polling everybody <laughs> I talked to in Atlanta. Who who is Atlanta United's rival? Like, what I would do you, say, what, and how do you rank it? And how who fires right, you up? I give you mine. Okay, Nashville because they okay. just have had the the issues since they came into the league. You know, that mm-hmm. was where Joseph got hurt back. Yep. You know, when when his ACL happened and. Yep. The, the fan base just tend to not like each other. You know, Orlando feels manufactured sometimes because Atlanta was so okay. dominant for so long. Right. Um, sure. And Charlotte just isn't old enough, I think, yet. You know, we, we, can, we can, we always try to throw out the names and we, we had a good one, the Crown and Coke Derby earlier this year <laughs> for that one. 
for the Crown City and Coca-Cola. But yeah. I think in terms of just teams not liking each other, at least in the Southeast, uh, to me it's Nashville so far. Yeah, I mean, I, I was actually talking about it on the Twitter space with someone uh, a, a few minutes ago, or a few hours ago, I should say. Um, I think the one thing that kind of threw a wrench into things was when Nashville were in the Western Conference right, during sure. COVID. That kind of yeah. threw a wrench into things. They didn't play each other twice every year. But now with them both in the same conference again, playing each other home and away in the return fixture, I think that kind of kicks up the rivalry thing. As Tyler was saying, every time these teams play, it seems like there's something that happens. And I was talking to Walker Zimmerman about this. Last year, after this match, that got delayed for like what three two, hours, two and a half hours, no, yeah, something like one. that. Yeah. <laughs> the lightning delay. Um, I was asking about it. They said, "Yeah, I mean, it seems like every time these teams play each other, you know, there's some weird twist or something like that that happens." So, yeah, I think proximity wise and considering the matches that these teams have played, I think it's fair to consider this a true out and out derby. And my, from my vantage point, I don't expect anything different on Saturday than has occurred between these two sides in the past. I mean, what do you think? I hope so. I hope it is. It's interesting. I feel like every Atlanta person I talk to has a different answer, which is really interesting. Uh, Some I I feel like have held on to Orlando, hold on to Orlando. Right. And like, love the fact that Atlanta had so much success against yeah. Orlando and still do really love that fact. Yep. Uh, I was, I was on with Jason Longshore earlier today. Mm-hmm. He threw out the Red Bulls as a big one and yep. Toronto even and, and Orlando before Nashville or Charlotte. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. I think, uh, you know, Nashville's still relatively new and you mentioned the pandemic Charlotte's super new. So I hope that proximity wins in the long run because I think that just makes for better rivalries. Um, but and, and Orlando's going to have Miami there, right? So are they kind of mm-hmm. pulled away? I, I, I as being in, in Cascadia, right? I don't love the kind of three-way thing because I think Vancouver always feels like kind of the like stepchild. Yeah, right? and yeah. Portland and Seattle are like yeah, this, absolutely. and Vancouver is like there, and like yeah. it's. <laughs> What Half of it. And they Feels we're all kind of cool. Yeah. Everybody's kind of cool with Vancouver, right? You know? <laughs> but I'm sure Vancouver's like, no, we want to be somebody's rival, right? And and they are, but so yeah. that's why I think like one rival, like LA LAFC is perfect, right? right? So having like one primary rival in the long term makes those games extra, extra special. Maybe I hope it becomes Nashville. I think that's uh that's a good one. I think, you know, they're Nashville's back in the east. It was interesting talking to Gary Smith about it last week. He was – because we, it was LAFC. He was a Western Conference opponent. And he was like – they were not happy go, playing in the West. Yeah. There was so much travel last year. They did not like it. They did not like going back and forth. Um, and they were like, we, we started to figure out the East. You know, they put us in the West to begin it, to begin the whole thing. And we were there for two weeks. And then COVID happened. They bring us to the East for that rest of that season, unbalanced you know, conferences – they stay in the East for 2021, 2022. They're back West. And he's like, we just gotten to know all the Eastern Conference teams and they got to know us. And then they put us in the West and we're traveling way more than any other team in the league because we're so far from everything. And they did all right, clearly, um, yeah. which says a lot about them. But they were really happy to be back in the East and they'll stay there. And yeah, hope, hopefully, hopefully it's a good rivalry. We love that. I hope there's a little, like you're talking about stuff happening. I hope stuff happens because it makes our broadcast. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah. And, you, and you talk about Jason and, and we've talked about that a lot, but the Red Bulls, you talk about stuff happening, the Red Bulls, that mm-hmm. was, that was the rivalry in terms of 
every time they they met each other on the pitch yeah. it was always something there was yeah. there was you know fights arguments there was you know if, if the camera was close enough or if you were near the field you could hear the cussing and screaming and everything and there's always, you know, cards being thrown and some of the best matches we've ever seen. And That's thankfully, man, Atlanta, you know, finally got over that hump yeah, of exactly. in the regular season this year. Yeah. But, exactly. uh, but yeah, no, Red Bulls is good. But in terms of like, I guess, local, quote unquote, Nashville's four right. hours away from Atlanta. Yeah. Both mm-hmm. teams have fans that travel well. So, um, you know, it just it just seems natural, I think. So yeah. love it. Good. It'll be fun. Let's go. Um, cool. <laughs> so you'll be there uh, Saturday. We'll be there. Are you or do you have any plans on anywhere you're going to hit in Nashville while you're there? Man, so I'm going to be in Nashville for 20 hours. Uh, oh, wow. Literally, I land. <laughs> it's an early game, right? So I'm landing at 9 p.m. and I'm out at at 5:30 uh, after the game. I've got a, a family uh, event obligation. I've got gotcha. to be at on, on mm. Sunday, so I am not in town long enough. Uh, but uh, we're we're back there, and I, I, Nashville's a wild place. It's a party town. Yeah. Um, my other former Timbers broadcast partner, Ross Smith, uh, who's mm-hmm. part of our MLS season pass crew. Uh, Ross uh, lives in Nashville now. Uh, okay. And so with his wife, who is works for Nashville SC. So they're very, very, very close friends with both of them. So uh, we had a wonderful trip to Nashville last summer where they took us around the town. It was July 4th weekend. Broadway oh. is crazy, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, it it's like it's like <laughs> Vegas with cowboy hats. Yeah, uh, and uh, man, it was great. And went to other places as well, listening to live music. So this trip, unfortunately, won't have any of that. But we've got at least two more on the schedule over the next like month or two. So plenty yeah. of time to to enjoy Nashville and uh, have some hot chicken. Man, they delivered us some hot Nashville hot chicken like from the stadium in the booth last week. <laughs> And there was a medium and a spicy, and I took a bite of the spicy like ten minutes before we were going on the air, and like almost didn't <laughs> yeah. recover in time yeah. to, for like for uh, uh, like the show to start. It was, it, it was it's, yeah. yeah, that Nashville chicken. That's like when you go Serious to the restaurant. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. And Taylor's like making fun of me because he's like, "Oh, you can't <laughs> handle it." He didn't have a bite. Halftime, he has a bite of the medium. And he can't even handle that. And he's freaking out. Like the first, I think you mentioned it on the air in the first five minutes of the second half. He was still trying to figure out which team was in which jersey because right. it was the, you know, it was the one planet kits the uh, yeah. last week. Yeah. So, so he's like the first five minutes of the second half, he didn't know what he was watching. Yeah. So well, no I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this. When you, when you get to Nashville, maybe next time when you've got more time okay. or when you yeah. come to Atlanta, because they have a couple here, a place called okay. Hattie B's. If you've never yes. heard about it. Yeah. Uh, no, I know yeah, Hattie, Hattie B's. Uh, I, I don't know if we made it last, tried to make it last time. And I think we maybe like showed up to the original one and there was like a line. And so we couldn't, yeah, yeah. it was like a wait, yeah. but, um, all, I'm all about that. Yeah. 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 Hattie cool, B's. Cool. We'll, we'll, we'll make it there. Again, yeah, either Hattie, time, either Hattie B's or another one that escapes me. I'll remember it probably after you get off here, but, uh, we'll yeah, it was pretty hot. Yeah. We'll hook you up on yeah. Twitter. Let's, let's remember, right. but, um, I, Gotta give myself. I got maybe after the game is my because if I before yeah. the game it was like yeah I could be yeah, I gotta exactly. recover need need to give myself time to recover exactly Absolutely. well when you when you're in the bins uh we'll we'll come say hey to you, you. if you get to call a game down here yeah we appreciate you coming on it's been yeah. a pleasure it's it's been a great time and and by all means you're you're welcome back whenever you want to come on we'll, hey we'll I always always happy to come on have me on uh, awesome. we're doing a lot of Atlanta games this year I, I yeah. think. Uh, you know, we don't have a full schedule at all, but mm. it's already be our second. We've got a couple more come. We're, next week we're in Miami for the Joseph yeah. Darby. So, uh, yeah. man, we're 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 buzzing. So we'll oh, be uh, we'll be getting we'll getting a lot of Atlanta. 
Yep. Awesome. Thanks, Jake. Cool. Really right. appreciate Cheers, you. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Take care. Cheers. Should be a fun match on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, thanks for yeah. Jake for coming on and taking us through his insight on the nas- from the national viewpoint. And like you were saying, Tyler, we're going to try to do this throughout the year. So yep. yeah, we are off to uh, a good start. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and Jake's great. Um, love the insight from him. It, it's always it's always neat, you know, when you you've got somebody who is. It's, it's, it's his job. It's their job to be so focused on both sides of the match, right? That's yeah. that's what you're doing as a as a commentator, and you know we can get so focused up on the Atlanta United side. Obviously, that's what we do, but there's other storylines. There's so many other things going on with with yeah. a lot of these matches, and I think it's great talking about the the quote unquote rivalry, Derby, whatever you want to call it, with Nashville because it's to me it feels like the most organic one. You know, we and I saw in the chat a little bit, and we just talked about it. But like Orlando, always felt like because Darren Eels decided to throw up a, you know, twenty thousand dollar billboard right outside their stadium one day, like it pissed them off. And and ever since then, I don't see Garth doing that in Nashville. No. by the way. <laughs> which you know, and he can't that same exact thing because after that happened, MLS put in the rule to where you cannot do that. A t- an opposing team cannot do something like that. Mm. So thank you, Darren, for, for creating <laughs> yeah, that rule. Atlanta United setting trends as always. (laughs) By the way, I I looked it up. It's Prince's. It's like the big one in Nashville, the hot chicken place. You can get Hattie B's here in Atlanta, but Prince's, I got it. Um, When I was on a work trip to Nashville, and yeah, it's pretty hot. So let's try not to burn my mouth out when I was eating it. Yeah, um, the first time I ever had Hattie B's uh, was actually in 2021. My family and I went up there. We went on a very long road trip, and the first stop was Nashville. So we drove early, four hours, got there, mm. got to um, Honky Tonk Highway, as it's called, well mm. before it got crazy. And we were able to eat some Hattie B's, and my mouth stayed on fire for about three or four hours. So <laughs> uh, I, I get it. I totally get what he's saying. That stuff is its not regular hot. It's hot, hot. Can't play I like it. Yeah. Same here. Got to be careful of that stuff. But uh, Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, good, good to talk to Jake and uh, – yeah, looking forward to this call on Saturday. I know I'll be there in Nashville. You'll be home, I think. And no, a lot of folks are. I will be in the mountains in North Georgia. I'll be in the mountains. Okay, yeah. so I'll be halfway yeah. there. But yeah, exactly there. But uh, yeah, I know a lot of folks will be up at the match and probably won't be able to hear Jake and Taylor's call. But um, yeah, looking forward to it. Um, let's talk about um, Saturday. Um, obviously. The nasty taste of letting United's mouth from Wednesday against Memphis will still be in there. It is just so vital, I think, Tyler, that they just flush it out of their system. Again, like I mentioned, this has kind of become a theme with this team to maybe start off good and then just taper off for whatever reason. I don't know if it's motivation or whatever it is. Uh, Pineda was talking about it after the match, just mental things. You know, they, they try to plan for it during training, but it's just a mentality that they have to adopt. And I mentioned that they, they can't play like this, like they did against Memphis, against Nashville, especially given the fact that Nashville are so good defensively. Jake was saying five goals to the wild at Nebulas. That's, I, I feel like, far and away the league lead. But they have Henny Mukhtar, who, even if you shut him down, um, there's not much scoring outside of him. 
So you're going to have to find a way to break down this Nashville defense, maybe neck a goal or two, hopefully. And you got to get two now. You yeah. nicked one early against Memphis, and that wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah, that, and also bottle up Penny Mukhtar because we know we talked about this team maybe don't really well not maybe but this team don't have a lot of secondary scoring. It's been the case in recent in previous years, and Gary Smith made no bones about it. So get that goal, get that second goal, really put Nashville to the sword, so to speak, and really quiet that crowd down early on. I think it's just so vital. Yeah, I agree. And I think the caveat with that is because you actually have done a fair job this season of getting out early. We talked about it a lot last year where Atlanta will come out and they just, they would let teams into the game. They would not shut them down early. The problem, at least recently has been, you've gotten the early goal. You just can't hold on to it. And that's not acceptable. Like you, your defense has to be better than that. And and the defense, not just not just your center backs. I'm talking about as a whole. You, you don't want to give up your identity as a team, right? But in theory, you go get one or two against Nashville, mm-hmm. and you shut Honey Mukhtar down. You really, really should be able to hold on to a lead. Yeah. But you don't want to just sit there and park the bus either. You don't want to be pushed into your own defensive third for the majority of the match again because you're going to end up exactly what happened against Toronto, exactly what happened uh, against Chicago, exactly what happened against Memphis. You're going to get beat late. Maybe not beat, but you're going to get give up a goal late and allow the team back into it. And then it's going to go from feeling like, okay, a good night to a loss because you give up a frustrating goal again. So yeah, you got to play your game. The team wants to possess the ball. And they want to possess the ball cleanly. They have to stick to their game plan. In the past two matches, they have not possessed the ball cleanly. They've looked very mm-hmm. shaky in passing and receptions. They haven't won the second balls like they need to. They haven't won the duels like they need to. And that's it's just uncharacteristic. And, and they've got to figure out whatever they need to do to get back to that. Because when they play their style of soccer, they dominate possession. And this year they've had the bite to actually take the dominating possession and turn it into goals. So, and I see a lot of people in the chat, you know, saying you'd be happy with a tie. I mean, yeah, you would, but it just would be frustrating because now you're looking at multiple games in your past five that you really should have won. Yeah. And, and, you know, settling for a tie if you had won against Toronto and maybe won a little bit better against uh, Chicago maybe would be okay, but like you still got to, you, you want to keep that three point train rolling and, and keep pushing towards the top of the East. There's no team in this league that Atlanta can't beat, but Atlanta right now is beating themselves. <laughs> exactly. It could kind of bring it to perspective. What we were just talking about Tyler, uh, from a scoring standpoint for Nashville, eight goals in nine matches to go along with those five goals that they've conceded. So not only can they keep teams from scoring, they struggle to score goals themselves. Um, so that's not the worst goals for number in the league, but it's pretty close. Well, not really because Sporting Kansas City have scored three goals in nine matches. But, yeah, they, <laughs> they, they don't score a lot, but they keep teams from scoring. And 
you know, we talk about, yeah, defense wins championships, but I mean, you can't win if you don't score. So yeah, they, like I said, they're going to have to find some way to break down what has really been a really strong Nashville defense. LAFC were able to do that when Zimmerman came off and Buanga had a Golasso and they ended 1-1. I mean, you consider that, consider how many weapons LAFC have, and it really could speak to a very low-scoring match on Saturday. I would like to think there are goals in it. Um, I'll kind of jump in with my prediction. I would say probably closer to 2-1 Atlanta would be the hope. But at the same time, considering this Nashville defense, that might be flattering Atlanta just a little bit. But yeah, I'll stick with 2-1, um, just personally. Um, I'll get you your prediction too, but along with that, we maybe got to talk about this goalkeeping situation. I mean, Diop stood on his head, like we said on Wednesday last night. Of course, you have Westberg, who may be healthy. So that's something else that you have to think about. I would imagine Yakimakis plays. I would imagine Almada plays. But yeah, what 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 are your thoughts? I mean, first your predictions, and then maybe, well, maybe first your preferred lineup, preferred eleven, yeah. and then maybe prediction. All right, so let's let's talk about. I'll I'll hit on D up real quick. Unfortunately, D up has now been forced to play 165 plus minutes in the past four days, or whatever mm. it may be. Uh, which again, it, he's a goalkeeper, so it's not to the same degree as like a midfielder, right? But I, I think I don't know that you can afford to not start him, especially if if Westberg is coming off of that knee issue, whether it is good or not. Do you want to push it? Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a tough decision because we know Diop is is more than capable. He's every match he's played in, and even if you go and watch the twos, the twos match that he played in earlier this season. He has stood on his head. He has done everything he needs to, and Atlanta has gotten their money's worth out of him already. You don't want your you don't want your goalkeeper working that hard, and he's put in some yeah. shifts over the past couple of days. Yeah. So it's it's tough. I think you really really want Diop to keep up the intensity that he's brought, and I think you let Westberg rest another week. Diop got the chance, and he's done nothing to to change that or lose the spot at all, I think. So, I mean, you've got to go with him at the back. I think you keep Parada and Miles. Yeah. I hate that you had to use Lennon and Gutman as much as you did Wednesday, but you, you've got to stick them back in their positions. I think Wiley gets put back at the left wing spot. Uh, you know, I, I, I keep – For Etienne. Yeah, I keep thinking Etienne is just on the cusp of of breaking through, and he is, but he just hasn't quite got the chemistry or whatever that that he needs with the team. It, it just it hasn't happened yet, and I do fully think like once he gets that first one, I think it's going to break through. But you got to play Wiley because Wiley's gotten out there and proven what he can do so far. So um, you put Wiley on the left. This might be controversial. I don't know. I think, you know, you still got to start Aruju. But I also think you're because of how many minutes he's played this season so far, including now the Open Cup, I don't think it's a bad thing to rip him out at the half and put in Machop Chol on the right. Or mm. uh, even even Ronnie, even Ronald Hernandez. 
and, and move Brooks up or something. Uh, Almada, Yakamakis. I would like to see Ibarra, but he just played 120 minutes, so I don't know. I think I honestly think you're going to see Sosa instead of Ibarra, and then hopefully you see Josedu uh, hmm. right there with him. We'll see. Yeah. I, I will say this, though. It, <clears throat> excuse me. This goes back to Nashville, just their inability to score. You would think that D.O. isn't really tested on Saturday. Uh, I do agree. I think he starts over Westberg. Yeah, let Westberg rest and bring him back for um, next week's match, the next match coming up for Atlanta United. Um, but I agree. Probably not the worst idea in the world. Um, imagine um, – I, I didn't think we'd be talking about Quentin Westbrook potentially starting a goal against Joseph Martinez in Inter Miami and Joseph Martinez's first match against his former club. So we'll, we'll talk about that obviously a little next week. But yeah, what, what's your prediction? I said 2 1 Atlanta. What is yours? Oh, man. I really don't want to be negative. I am not the negative person. I know you're usually pretty positive. I'm usually really. I think positive. last night, last night broke you. I think, dude. Last night was rough, man. I, I don't was. know. No, I agree. So okay, I'm going to remain positive, and here's why. There you go. I will remain positive because I like to think that the team got so embarrassed last night that they never, ever, ever want to have that same feeling again in the pit of their stomach. Because, I mean, me and you were there, and we saw how visibly distraught uh, some of the players were, you know, it down as we went into the, the press conference and even on the field after. Like, this needed to be a slap in the face. Mm-hmm. We've talked about, okay, well, you, you got lucky in the past few matches, and maybe we just need to have a conversation to, to really, like, maybe we don't need to be so lucky. <laughs> maybe we just need to go and win the game. No. Uh, but you haven't done that. So maybe you needed a slap in the face from a USL team. Maybe you needed to get punched in the nose and woken up a little bit. And I hope that is what happens. And I think the defense plays their heart out because they don't want to be that embarrassed again. And Yakamakis nicks his sixth goal and six starts, and it's 1-0. Ty Taylor Twelman, by the way, who will be in the building. Ty Taylor Twelman. <laughs> so that's and and what? How cool would it be if he was on the call when that happened, right? Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, I'll say one nil uh, Atlanta because yeah, uh, Nashville have not been good in in terms of scoring. It would be very Atlanta esque to suddenly let them do that, but I hope that doesn't happen. So staying positive, I'm gonna go one nil, yes. and we'll see what okay. happens. So we both say a win, right? Atlanta will win. Atlanta will get yeah, three that's, points. That's what I'm saying. We'll see how I feel Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, they should be top of the supporter shield standings at this point. But again, that's neither here nor there. We can neither um we can't chase the past. You can only chase the future. So Yeah, and and quick uh quick point in the in the chat, Bo asking I, this question got brought up a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, what are the so, card stacks looking like right now? Aren't we in danger of losing two or three of our starters on another yellow? Yeah, Yakumakis in the bar. I just looked it up, have three, so two more in there suspended. There's um, also one more. Um, one more who is you want, you want to guess who it is? You might be able to go back a couple of episodes and remember. 
and by all means put it in the chat i'll give you i'll give you 30 seconds and we'll talk about something for 30 seconds there's one more that could uh that could get suspended in the next two yellows fun fact of the day hmm. guesses bueller <laughs> bueller should i just say it yeah just there it that. is pineda Bruno. Oh, it is Gonzalo pineda I didn't think about that. I thought you meant a player. It's like, I have it right in front of me. I, I see Yako and Navarro have two <laughs> yellows. Like, yep. which player has three? Um, but yeah, no one on the, um, I guess, the Mike Conti yellow card tightrope, as he likes to say. <laughs> so, yeah. Not quite so there. No, no, no one there yet. So, but yeah, Nashville, looking forward to it. And hopefully it's not a repeat of... Um, the match against Memphis, I think if it is not, I think Atlanta United will be good. Yeah. And uh, one last point on the whole yellow card situation. Ibarra's red card that he got against New York doesn't do anything for his yellow card situation. So he was um, two away and has been for a while now yeah. from his, his suspension. The red card does not add or change anything to that tally. So he's still at two. So he just got suspended, immediate red card, took his suspension for the next game, and then he's right back at it with now two away from being suspended yes. again. Yes. All um, right. It has been a busy, busy week. Busy, busy mm-hmm. week. We have coming up, uh, so obviously Nashville Saturday, we are going to figure out the Twitter spaces. Um, we will let you guys know. Be sure to check in uh, Twitter. You know, you'll, you'll see it. We'll kind of determine what we're going to do with Twitter spaces. Mm-hmm. Our player ratings video will be coming out early next week. Uh, so, as usual, after the game, you guys uh, hit us up. Let us know who you want us to, to rate with our super scientific ratings board analysis. I- I lost my dry erase marker, by the way, when I was moving, so I have to find it before Saturday. And he said that. And I had a whole thing planned for this episode <laughs> where I was gonna, I was gonna say, "Hey, we're gonna do player ratings for the Open Cup," and I was just gonna put a zero. And uh, I can't find my marker, so his marker kidnapping somewhere, also somewhere came in over to my marker. Um, so I'll look for it after the show, probably, and hopefully we'll find it before Sunday. My uh, yeah. super scientific uh, dry erase marker. But, uh, yeah, our normal show is back next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Uh, Tommy will be back uh, as well. And hopefully we were talking about a win against Nashville. Uh, again, we'll be previewing a really big match against Inter-Miami and Joseph Martinez. So stay tuned for that. And, again, mm, sorry. Again, um, Tony Anand is our next patrons only episode guest so we'll get him in on next week we'll tweet out the link as soon as we have the interview up again that's not for patrons only so sign up patreon.com slash scarves and spikes to get access to that and a lot of other great things that are available for patrons um also like and subscribe to us on youtube and of course subscribe to our podcast feed on the atlanta soccer podcast network just search for that on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, or wherever you get all your podcast. All the good places. Um, all the good places. All the good places. And if you are a fellow Atlanta United 2 sicko, and hopefully you want to see a decent game 
as opposed to a terrible game at Fifth Third Bank Stadium. The twos are playing Sunday. They're playing Philadelphia Union 2, which is not going to be an easy match by any means. Mm-mm. But they are playing, and it's going to be at 6 on MLSNextPro.com, so you can check that out as well if you just need a fix on Sunday. Uh, it's fun to watch. Fun to watch some of these young guys that hopefully can get back yeah. uh, to winning ways after a really crappy day yesterday. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, Brian, talking about are we, are we sure GG plays Saturday? I don't know. Um I don't know. Well, I asked you if you're. Um, I, I said it. Earlier. I think so, but I don't know. Oh, okay. it's just like, to me, it's a coin toss. All right. So I coin say toss. he does. I yeah, want I him to tie Taylor Twelman, but <laughs> I could also see them being very, very, very um, conservative with him because that's now two matches, two weeks in a row where he's gone out with a hamstring issue. Yeah. But Hopefully I'll say yes, matches Ryan. He's playing Saturday. He's getting a start. Yes. I agree. All right. It's been fun, guys. We appreciate nice. it. For Sydney Hunt, I am Tyler Pilgrim. Y'all make sure you're following us as well, ATL Pilgrim and at SH Rights. And Tommy, who is uh, not here tonight, he's got some NFL stuff going on. Make Bryce sure Young him. drafted number one overall by the Carolina Panthers, by the way. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, follow Tommy as well, TommyATL96, and like, subscribe, all of, all of the good stuff over on YouTube, Twitch, and Patreon. And we will see you guys this weekend for the ratings episode. So long.